episode 268 of the Sleeper in the Bus. It is your Sunday edition, and I am Paul Spore. Joined, as always, on Sundays by Jason Collette. Jason, we're on a time crunch. There's a very special event for you this evening. What do you have on tap for your Sunday night? SummerSlam, and don't judge me for it either. Oh, no, no. Kids want to watch it. I know nah, not... you won't. But not mocking you. I don't. I, There's a lot of baseball people that like watching that, wrestling. That's the thing. No, it's, Josh Reddick. Josh Reddick, I think, is, is the most out there baseball player. And I think a there's a lot more, of, too. I, um, I watch a lot of intentional talk these days. Uh, leave MLB Network on all day and they get the players on. And a lot of the, player, the players that they get on seem to favor it as well. They get that Josh Reddick type uh, who really loves it. And it makes for a great interview because they love talking about wrestling. So, no, our I, buddy uh, Tim Heaney was at the NXT event last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, another friend of mine. Uh, Bill Danny Handstock is, uh, is a huge fan. He's there today. So, yeah, I, uh, my kids are looking forward to it. Although I'm not I'm being a terrible dad because school starts tomorrow. <gasps> so I said, no, 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 no. You can watch the first half. You have to watch the rest of it tomorrow. So oh, I am the terrible dad. School starts tomorrow. Holy smokes. Yeah, I used to be. School starts tomorrow. I used to be over the moon about uh, about wrestling. I kind of lost it. I know it's still popular amongst uh, plenty of adults. I don't look down my nose at it. It's not my thing, but that doesn't matter. It's other people's thing, and it's cool. Uh, that's totally fine. We do have baseball to talk, so you can watch SummerSlam and get the kids to bed for a good night of rest, though. Uh, as we like to do on Sundays, just going to kind of tour the box scores, talk about some guys that are interesting us on a Saturday, excuse me, on a Sunday afternoon. Got to watch a good bit of baseball today. The girlfriend finally returned from the cruise, though. It's, it's like uh, crazy. It's one thing, you know, you travel all the time, but you get to talk to your family. She was gone for a week, and we literally didn't get to talk a single time. Well, because, yeah, you could. It'd be $12 a minute. Uh, that's the thing. And I was like, <laughs> do not blow all your money trying to call me to say hello you know hopefully you get some wi-fi and 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 we'll see about that exactly that's all it would have been yeah um and as much as uh you know i did miss her and i would have said those things it wasn't necessary to pay 50 bucks to do it all week so yeah i'm not uh, gonna look down on you either for being sappy so no i'll freely admit it 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 is out there uh i would have been totally sappy and you should have seen it when she did get home today a lot of that stuff was said in that high-pitched voice that's the way it had to be especially with the puppy you know with the when you're holding a puppy you just your voice goes higher there's really no way no two ways around it but let's dive right in let's start with the first game today um out in new york first off cc Sabathia didn't it didn't look good he got hurt and uh you have an idea of, of what could be causing the injury it looks like he left with a knee injury it was it was a pitch too and, and the announcers were talking about it, it kind of was a bummer because he kind of went back for that little bit of extra and got a huge strikeout and then was out that very pitch and uh obviously the knee is causing a problem he thinks it's one thing. What did you think it was? You thought it was the yeah. when watching it, it said you know this uh, Michael Caffrey, which one ever does the, whoever does the TV broadcast, I, I toot them all out. But watching the highlight, they're like, and he dials it up to ninety one. First of all, how sad hilarious. is it that CC has to dial it up to get to ninety one? So, so funny. Then he tells uh, one of the writers, CC blamed the knee pain on his recent increased velocity. Said that just started letting said he just started letting it fly, knowingly risking the knee. Um, it ain't velo, dude. It's kilos. <laughs> he just gets, he's gotten bigger again. All that no, weight he lost, he put true. it back on. You look at him today, he just looks huge. Um, I mean, I'm sorry. That I, that's more to do than anything else. And again, it, they're putting him on the disabled list. Looks like I don't know who the hell they're gonna call up. No, no, they were going uh, to go six man with with uh, with Pineda back anyway. This really just prevents them from going six man. So it'll be Nova, Severino, Pineda. You, 
and a random Twitter person every week. I can't, I, I can't think of the other two, to be quite honest with you. Oh, Nate Ivaldi um, will definitely be there. And Masahiro Tanaka. I forgot about the two best. Sick brain, Paul. Way to go. So, yeah, they'll, they'll, uh, with Pineda on his way back, that'll basically be a trade-off because they were going to try to go six-man anyway. But actually, the, the guy I really want to talk to and uh, talk about in that game hit a very key hit off of a very tough guy to hit key hits yeah. against. And it was Francisco Lindor hitting a home run in the eighth inning off of Dylan Batances. And I, I just want to bring up Lindor because when he came up, my advice was everyone chill out in mixed leagues. Like, yes, he, he's worthwhile because shortstop, uh, but don't bend over backwards. And he has been very impressive with the bat. And I didn't see this much punch coming from him right away. A 424 slug isn't knocking anybody over, but seven homers. That was his seventh homer already today for Francisco Lindor in just 245 plate appearances. He's got a 298 average. He's been actually a little light on the bases, which is where probably people expected to get the value. Yeah. He's only three for five, but yeah, still got three. Um, so what have you seen from Lindor? Cause I've been very impressed with his bat. It's way more advanced than I thought it was. And if it can get better, then this is definitely a bona fide superstar, which I already kind of thought he lots was. Lots of red. Lots of red is what I mean. He has now four multi-hit games in his last ten, uh, including back-to-back three-hit games uh, in, in in Yankee Stadium with a home run in each game. I only see lots of red because I drafted Lindor uh, as an end-game pick in the Old Tout Wars and eventually let him go mm. about a week and a half before he was called up. Mm. Oh. I mean. This is why I draft well, and I'm a crappy in-season manager. I just run out of the patience with them, and I, I needed something, and I was like, I, he's got to go. I, I, who knows when he's, and he gets called up, and then he was struggling. Then I'm like, oh, it's fine. And, yeah, so, you know, no, he's, yay me. He's but, no, he looks at me, around. obviously, when you look at a kid who's 21, he doesn't even turn 22 until after the season. Um, again, this is a guy that should be an A-ball where the rest of his peers are, and this speaks to the talent level. Now, I don't know if he's ever going to have the offensive – um, you know, it, can we look at him as a mid to upper teens home run guy? I don't think so. It wouldn't. See, you know, I mean, this does feel like a, a, a barrage. This feels like a barrage that is probably not going to be typical of him. But it's yeah. impressive that Lindor's first tour here, he's smacking the ball around. I would have expected if, if you told me, hey, he's going to come up and be a, a plus contributor and be like a two win player. How do you think it's going to come? Well, of course, I'd put some of it for defense. But for the offensive component, I would have said, OK, then he's going to catch fire and hit like 330. And it, there's going to be some Babbitt fire there. There's going to be some line drives that would have been where I thought he would excel and 292 is not bad but I would have said like 330 with two bombs and he's hitting 292 with seven bombs so I've just been really impressed with Lindor's ability to go yard I just I didn't think he would have that much pop right now um so even the in a small sample was really impressive because uh Batons has had a lot of home run to a lefty since the George W Bush era from what I hear somebody <laughs> said but it's, it's been over two years. Uh, and then Lindor, of all things. Now, uh, you know, this is where the stadium plays against him. I don't think that ball's out of any other ballpark in, in the league, but True. it made it out of Yankee Stadium. It would have been off the wall. It would have been an extra base hit in just about any other yard. But that's not a home run in 29 other parks. Um, that was the eye test. And it, he left it. It was a garbage pitch, and he went up and got it and yanked it. But he has not allowed a home run to a lefty in two seasons. So good for Lindor. Absolutely. Absolutely good for him. And hopefully folks jumped on him. Um, I wasn't as aggressive uh, in suggesting you do so in redraft. So a little bit of a learning experience for me. I want to jump over to the Arizona Cincinnati game because uh, the guy I put on our list, I definitely want to talk about. But that offense for Arizona, the, the, we're going to talk about the Cincinnati pitcher. He excelled in a losing effort 
Beef Man. went yard again, and Peralta went yard again. Beef, for those who don't know, is Wellington Castillo. Out of his mind, he had his 16th homer, and David Peralta hit his 13th homer. Uh, these two have been amazing, and, and you add them with a Goldschmidt. Uh, Jake Lamb is back and, and doing all right. Yasmani Tomas has been impressive all year, somebody I did not have a good read on at all. I thought, nope, going to be bad. I actually thought he would be bad. Not, not just well, because his defense, his defense was people were just railing on his defense. Oh, it, it was so bad. It was so bad when we saw it at spring training and he was massive. And I was like, Oh, I don't know. And he played his way into game weight. And so that's, that's one of the things that I didn't entertain was that, Hey, you know, put up a magic hat today though. Oh, what happened? Hold for four, four oh, strikeouts. Oh, I just thought, <laughs> yeah, it's a tough one. But anyway, um, the, the the man of the hour, even though it was a losing effort, is Rysel Iglesias. Goes out, throws seven innings, three hits, two runs, only one of them earned, three walks, 13 strikeouts. And honestly, you know, they're the the obvious comps are are like a baby uh, Chapman because because they're teammates, because they're both Cuban, and because Iglesias can really bring it. So that's probably a little bit lazy. I'll freely admit that. But when you watch him pitch and he's and he's really on, uh, you can understand it with the velocity and the breaking pitch. Rizal Iglesias has been really impressive lately since uh, reestablishing himself back into the rotation. Mm-hmm. I've really liked what I've seen. The strikeouts haven't always been there, but he had a run. Uh, his current run is eight, seven, five, six, eight. Only three, but that was seven shutout innings of KC. So you almost, you love it because they don't strike out. So he made it seven innings and then 13 today. The dude has looked great again, since being recalled in mid July. What have you seen from Rysel Iglesias and how do you value him right now in all formats play or just a, a streamer? Or what kind of, what kind of pitcher is he for you in mix? I mean, all formats play right now. You look at a guy that's dropped his ERA a full run since the All-Star break. It was 590 going into the break. It's now 390. I'm sorry, two full runs. Two, I can't even yeah. do math today. Two runs. From 590 to 393, I'm counting one, two, three, four, five, five quality starts in a row mm-hmm. uh, in this mess. Uh, with that, the only one was the St. Louis one. Then you go back, so six out of seven quality starts, and he's got all of two wins to show for it. Unfortunately, because Thanks, of the other team he plays it. But the, he what what intrigues me is he's all over the place. 13 strikeouts today, 11 ground ball outs against the high contact Kansas City team. He had 12 ground ball outs against Pittsburgh the other day. He had eight strikeouts against the Padres. So he you know, and then he had another uh, double digit ground ball. So he's getting the ground ball. Sometimes he gets a fly ball. Sometimes he gets the high strikeout rates. See, I like that. Um, I do I, too. I like a guy who can kind of morph his game. To what's going to work for him. Yes. And, and Iglesias uh, I do too. has and the done key that. thing is, he's not, a, he, he doesn't put dudes on base. I mean, he had the one, he had three walks today. He had four walks back at uh, the first start out after the, after the break against the Cubs, but he doesn't put free passes. Um, his, his hits allowed counts his last five starts, four, three, 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 three. I mean, it's filthy stuff. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it has a lot of wiggle because the velocity isn't overwhelming. That's why, you know, the, the baby Aroldis thing, it's, it's really like baby Aroldis because he's, he's yes. not bringing it up there at, at 100 or anything close to it. But he firmly sits in that 93 to 95 range. Uh, he definitely has velocity. It's just not quite uh, up to Iglesias, who, who is. But then an 86-mile-an-hour changeup, and then that, that slider can get really filthy, and that sits about – 80 to 84, uh, and, and, and it can do a lot of devastating things. 
I've just been really impressed with Iglesias. Coming into the year, he was somebody I targeted as kind of a late sleeper. Had to run run through some choppy waters with him. Actually, did did pull a Colette and cut him early in a mixed league, but it was a mixed league, and it was it, he wasn't pitching well. You mentioned he had a 590 through his first seven starts. I don't even you know that's not really impatient. You just got to do it sometimes. But held him in two two NL leagues, and uh, it, it's going well. This is somebody I'm going to continue to target, and I think he he's somebody who. They should just leave him in the rotation, and I think they've got themselves a high-quality starter here. Pull a Colette. I'll totally own that. Hey, you know what? Um, again. <laughs> it, uh, I will it, totally own it, that. It wasn't even that impatient to do it, so I guess I'm not trying to rail you too hard, but yeah, you, you said it, so I just I just went with it. <laughs> I want to talk about uh, Aaron Nola pitching against the Marlins today. Now, the, the, the opponent takes a lot of sting out of it right now. The Marlins are probably the best team that you can stream against, particularly in their ballpark. Um, I'm looking to get anybody in there against them right now. It's, it's been that bad. So it takes a little bit of the shine out of eight shutout innings with three hits, mm-hmm. two walks, and six strikeouts. It's still impressive, though. And honestly, it's not his first good start. Uh, he's, he hasn't really had any bad ones. That's what I like about Nola. He's had some shakier ones, ones that you're not really writing home about against the aforementioned strong Diamondbacks offense. He gave up nine hits, four runs and five innings, you know, okay. But that's just kind of, he kind of survived and they actually won that game. Um, so he's not having those, those face smashings that we're seeing a lot of guys suffer this year. What up Shane green? Uh, so that's what I like, what I'm seeing from Nola. He really does. He, he looks uh, like the reputation that preceded him as a polished pitcher who right. ca- kind of has that advanced approach, probably not going to be a fantasy stud because he is going to have some five innings, four runs, with a bit of frequency, you know, uh, 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 he's already had three five inning games in his last five outings. So that's going to happen, but uh, he keeps them competitive and NL only. You kind of like this guy in the middle of your rotation and a deep mix league. He's one of your last pitcher types that, that you like as well. What kind of ceiling do you see on Nola going forward? Cause this is an impressive rookie campaign and I do believe he can get better, but how much so do you think? I only saw him pitch the first game against Tampa Bay, and I really liked what I saw in that game. I forgot who he gave up the home run to. That was really the only mistake pitch he – oh, I'm sorry. It was Nate Carnes. That's right. Is yeah, who he gave the up the home run to. Now I think about that, and that's what he lost. He lost one nothing game a, on that. Crazy. Gave the home run to Nate Carnes. But we, what I'm looking at recently, and even over – we got, what, seven seven starts for him – you know, he's going deep into these games, batter's face, 24-28, the 20 against Atlanta, which would be, that's the biggest surprise of them all, 28-24-24-27. So he's flipped the lineup over three times in seven star, uh, three of the seven starts he's gone through the lineup three times, which which is great. And his pitch count, he's only hit 101 time in that. So that's efficiency. I like that. Yep. From, I, I mean, I like, I like what I saw from him uh, when I saw the live video that was last month. But getting through the lineup three times at Dubigan on fewer than 100 pitches. They, they, and Bravo. That, that Atlanta game that you're talking about uh, where he went five innings, two runs, he had 88 pitches. They were up uh, 7-2 through five and so they probably just said you know what this is a chance to not extend him and push him over that hundred pitch mark they're crushing a a bad team uh so i imagine that that cut his and and i think that's smart i think those are the times that you do cut cut off Mm -hmm. a couple innings off of one of your young guys so i I like that this is a guy i like i'm going to be eyeing uh for next year again as kind of a rotation stabilizer i'm not expecting him to be a stud but he does look like he can grow into one of those guys that you get in the mid rounds, knowing that he has kind of a certain ceiling. Maybe it's like a early Lance Lynn where you kind of expected Lance Lynn to give you a set, uh, you know, mid upper three ZRA, not a very great whip kind of, kind of, 
on the uh, on the uh, cusp of actually being a bad whip, and then um, Lynn had more strikeouts. Where I think it'll maybe that whip will be better with Nola, so that'll kind of be the trade-off. But that kind of baseline value uh, of a mid-rounder, I think Nola can play his way into that. In that game, uh, Derek Dietrich didn't really do anything, but I wanted to bring him up because he has been playing great. Uh, 273, 337, 526, triple slash line. I figure that you'll know a thing or two about this guy because I believe, if, correct me if I'm wrong, he that was. he uh, started his uh, – either started or – did he start with Tampa Bay and then move over he to did. Miami? Okay, so he, he just loves Florida, but uh, he started with the Rays. I'm kind of liking what I'm seeing from this guy. He's got some punch this year that uh, I think he showed in spurts last year, but it was hidden because he hit 228. So, you know, even the, the, the 160 ISO that he had, which isn't overwhelming, but for a middle infielder, that's not too bad at age 24. Um, it was hidden because, you know, 386 slug. This year, I mentioned the, the 526 slug. He's got seven bombs, excuse me, nine homers. What do you think of this guy? Is this somebody who's developing? I mean, he's moved into the outfield now, but he still has middle infield eligibility. Do you like him? Is this power for real? Yeah, I've always liked the pop. Uh, small uh, tidbit actually has the same player agent as Francisco Lindor. That's interesting. Uh, Yes, uh, only because I know the guy. I was at the winter meetings when Derek Dietrich got traded. I happened to be talking to the agent. who I, We were just sitting oh, there wow. chatting in the lobby, drinking. He goes, oh, yeah, by the way, that we just uh, I just got called. Dietrich's going to the Marlins. I'm like, oh, hey, look at that. Crazy. Good. It's a good opportunity for him because he's like, hey, what's a depth chart? I'm like, pretty much wide open wide for him open. at this point. Yeah. Uh, when I was looking at it, I'm like, this is actually a better opportunity because it's like, you know, you got Zobrist in front of him in Tampa Bay, so this works out well. And, and he's, you know, it looks like definitely matchup possibility but if 19 20 extra base hits and just over 150 at bats there's intrigue there now where is he gonna where is he gonna be full-time you know as their whole roster is settled next year he's getting the full-time playing time now and five six seven eight extra base hits over his last 10 games and uh i think at worst, definitely definitely nl uh, obviously yes. uh, nl opportunity even with the position qualification, you could make the case in a 15-team mix league. I'm still not ready to go 12-team mix, but 15-team mix, you can make the make the play. I agree there. And, yes, it has that second base eligibility. Now, the, the thing of it is next year, uh, he, he won't have the second base, barring playing a whole bunch in September. But he will have sneaky third base because he has 22 games there and 23 games in the outfield. So Dietrich will be third base outfield. And if he comes into the year with a full-time role, I think that could be a sneaky 20-homer type of guy. Uh, that's the kind of power. I mean, he's showing actually the power right now for much more than that, but it's an, it's a small sample. So we got to see how much of this 258 ISO is for real. It's actually, I don't even really even want to compare, but if you want, people want to do a little bit of homework, go back and look at 2008 Ben Zobrist numbers. Oh, snap. Let me, let me do that. I'll, I'll do that as well. I'll do that homework. Don't worry. I'll get it done. You know what I really like? Uh, speaking of Ben Zobrist and, and kind of that comparison, the 9% walk rate for Dietrich, which has mm -hmm. that, has that uh, OBP way up. And so that's, that's a huge thing. You said 2008. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Oh wow, yeah, I see. I see what you're saying there. And then the next year, that's when uh, Zobrist exploded, 27.91. So who knows? Uh, Dietrich, somebody I'm putting a star next to for next year for sure, because I do think he could be something uh, pretty legitimate. I want to talk about Lance McCullers' return to the majors. Uh, it was sparkling. Remember the last the last we saw of McCullers was not good, and it felt like you know, uh, it felt like it. 
it almost worked perfectly for the Astros because it was easy to then demote him to give him this break. Uh, if you'll remember, the Rangers absolutely obliterated him. He made exactly one out, gave up seven hits, six runs, a homer, um, a walk, uh, one strikeout. It was just bad. And it took his ERA from 248 to 317 in one fell swoop. So they, you know what? They gave him a three-week break. They sent him down. I think he pitched once when he was down there, a three-inning tune-up right before he came up for this start. Comes up, faces the Dodgers, goes seven innings, eight hits, two runs, no walks, eight strikeouts, looking right, like the stud that we saw before that Texas outing. And Eno and I raved about him earlier in the week. Where do you stand on Lance McCullers uh, for the rest of the way and then 2016? Um, I don't know if I'm ready to go uh, mixed league yet. I like him in the AL uh, a lot. I don't know if I'm ready to go end game mixed league possibly when I watch him pitch. I do like the stuff. Uh, really has a tough time throwing things straight. I like watching him pitch. I mean, obviously with today going against Kershaw and, and the Astros getting that win, in fact, sweeping that series Very in nice. a series where they face both Grinky and Kershaw. And Kershaw. And yep. didn't have Keiko pitch, and they still what, and they still swept that series, which t- tells you a lot about the Dodgers bullpen. Right now, it's, uh, it's, it's really bad things. over there. A no hitter really for fires, bad. which we'll get into at, right after this. Yes. Actually, uh, so yeah, I'm, I don't know if I'm ready to fully buy in on mixed leagues, uh, but a lot of the a lot of the stuff's there for him. The deep, the the defense, the run support, uh, you know, getting the getting the sea legs underneath them in this rookie season. Uh, one of the guys I'm bitter that the Rays passed on in the draft because he's right there from Tampa Jesuit High School, right around the corner, and they oh. let him go. Was that the year they had 50 picks? I don't remember. I just remember uh, that. I, I remember that was... one of my friends was so pissed because uh, he, I mean, he, well, he pitched lasted. there. And... I mean, he was 40. Yeah. It was like the 41st pick or yeah. something. He was a supplemental yep. pick. Yeah, 41st. That was the year they got Correa. That draft's working out for them. Call me crazy, but I'm going to say that draft is working out for them. Uh, no, I, I like I like McCullers. I, I'll, I'll uh, plant my flag as a little bit higher than yours and say that I do think he's a mixed league play then. Um, I'm pretty geeked by what I've seen. That blow-up really was a bummer, but honestly, even if you have all his starts on your ledger, there's no way you're complaining about 84 innings of a 312 ERA with 87 strikeouts. Let's jump over to, to Mike Fires. He pitched earlier in the week. Uh, in the weekend, he opened that series on Friday night with an absolute gem, a no-hitter with 10 strikeouts and three walks. Spare me your stupid photos of pine tar. I don't really care who doesn't use it. I, I know it was a little bit more visible in that picture, but it wasn't Michael Pineda with four pounds of it on his neck. I don't know how you come out on that, but that that doesn't phase me at all. I think it's sour grapes mostly um, when I see stuff like that. But Fires was excellent, absolutely excellent in that outing. And you know he wasn't getting that from Pine Tar. You know you don't just go from he, he wouldn't have been give, he wouldn't have given up six runs and then the Pine Tar made him throw a no hitter. Correct. Um, I mean, it was, it was a 1,333 pitch no hitter, and I'm glad he was able to persevere and make his way through that. And but he did a, a radio spot with MLB Network Radio today, saying, you know, just about everyone's doing something. It's just a matter of not being egregious and showing it. Yeah. And frankly, from that, it could have been multiple things. Dude was sweating a lot, and I'm not even trying to defend him. That said, it doesn't matter. I mean, he, he executed his pitches. Brilliantly Brilliant. until the final, until the fi- ninth when he was really fighting it. I mean, I made the tweet after the eighth inning. He's at 120 pitches. Someone else has to pitch his ninth inning. I think if it was a one to nothing game, 
they may have let somebody else pitch it. But with a three nothing lead, you do have some leash there. Okay, even um, with a solo shot, they could have just pulled them. Right, and I'm, I'm still not, I'm still not crazy. I'm happy for him. I'm just not crazy for it, crazy about it. Uh, when you think about some of the other guys, the Santana one, the Lincecum, the, the the Edwin Jackson, the excessive pitching one. I made the comment they should they should send him down to the minors uh, right after the game so he can't pitch for ten more days. Well, here's I the hope thing. Maybe they skip his next start. That, I don't know if they're going to skip it, but they they went they do have the luxury of pushing it back because of McCullers' call up. Um, so and they have a day off. They have Thursday off next week. So what they could do is they could bump at least Casimir up after you pitch on Sunday, you're supposed to pitch one, two, three, four. So Friday. Yeah. So they could bump Casimir and McCullers up, bump fires all the way from uh scheduled Friday to Sunday, give them a couple extra days. So they I hope could, they do. Cause I wouldn't, I mean, if I would not even have him in my lineup this week, if I had the opportunity to sit him, I would. Yeah. I mean, he's looking at uh, a start against Minnesota in their in their park at the end of the weekend. I do believe that they they have uh, there's already been some reports about that, that they, they it's really set up to where they could push him back. In fact, I think they could skip it entirely and not miss a beat. Um, at the very least, they could put Casimir and McCullers first two games of that series and get fires on Sunday. So he'd go from from Friday to Sunday without pitching. And that would be at least a little bit of an extra break. But yeah, 134 pitches. And he was definitely working for every bit of it at the very end. But hats off to him. Great start. Uh, he's, you know, he's had kind of an up and down season, you know, uh, trying to prove what last year was. Last year was so excellent. Um, I, I bought a lot into it. And I'm, I'm, I'm still actually pretty happy with the returns because I knew that there was a there was a downside to him but you're talking about a 363 ERA with a 129 whip and a strikeout per inning for 144 innings out of Mike Fires even if you believed in him coming into this season you weren't paying any sort of exorbitant price right. so that that's what made it kind of easy to buy in and take a shot with him he was uh let me see where he was in terms of pitchers off the board he was the 50th pitcher off the yeah, board yeah I was going to say right right around 50 I mean the thing with him it's about pitch execution cuz he only throws 90 Yep. But he, he, he's old school because he's got the 90 mile an hour fastball, which he tends to locate up in the zone. And he's got the 12 to six curveball, which is great for sure. that. Because if you, have tw- if you think most about it, you know, with, with pitchers, a lot of the guys with the more horizontal break, it's different because you can, you know, you could track that down with a 12 to six. He throws that curveball to righties and lefties. And the way it comes out of the hand, as you read it, like, oh, crap, that's a curveball, not the high fastball. <laughs> so now you've got to adjust your swing. And he gets a lot of ground balls out of that curveball yes, and a lot of weak contact. He's got one of the one of the lowest batting averages against against that curveball uh and the batting average and balls in play just because of the changes and then he's got that great change up that he that he fades so he's got all three pitches with it but what concerns me about his long-term future is like right now i looked at this and this is something that i have going up at rotowire uh, tomorrow but you look at it since his call up last year which was august 9th so we're dealing with just over a calendar year with him He's got in the top 25 for opponents batting average against uh, for opponents on base percentage. He's got a better strikeout rate than David Price, Felix Hernandez, Cole Hamels and Carlos Martinez during that time. Right. Wow. So all of those are going on right now for him. Yet you look at some of his other indicators, swinging strike rate, chase rate, a lot of those things. And they're not even in the top 50 and 60. They're below that. (sighs) So it's just a reminder to me that. In you know, in his he he walks that fine line. We saw it with his first start with the Astros. The Rangers killed him. Yes. If he's not able to locate, 
he'll get bombed because he doesn't have the he doesn't have the velocity to to compensate for the mistakes. Well, a little There's bit a, for him on that one. He was coming in off the heels of that McCullough. That was the McCullough's start. So that was out of the bullpen. Just a little leeway for him on that. Okay. It, yeah. But, so that, but that he could had pitched. I mean, he was rested enough to pitch. That's why they gave him five innings. But it wasn't a, a true start. That could be it. And then when you look at it, uh, one of the other pieces uh, with him is, uh, you know, the, the whole theory of effective velocity uh, that we've talked about a few times. Mm-hmm. You know, Brenton Strom, the Astros pitching coach, is one of the early disciples of that. I forgot the guy's name who came up with the with the philosophy, but Brett Strom Perry was one of the husband. first guys to reach out. Perry Husband, was what it is? Yes. Okay, thank you. Uh, he reached out to him when, he was, when Brett Strom was with the Cardinals. And the the piece by Jason Turnbow that was written last year talks about, uh, you know, Strom recognized, OK, we need to do something where the Cardinals were all at the major league level. Dave Duncan was all about sinker low and away, sinker low and away. Minor league level, he talks to Perry Husband and says, hey, you know what? Um, this talk, then he was a believer. So then he started working with all the young kids, the Lance Lins, the Shelby Millers, the Carlos Martinez's, the Kerry Segrist, all these guys that were coming up in the organization about this stuff, all big fastball pitchers. Um, some of the, all, Obviously, all those guys have much better arms and fires. But when you look at – and then uh, you know he, he's with Houston. Now Fires is working with him. And I was when I was doing some research for my piece – Jason Castro gave a quote. He said, you know, Fires was really doing a lot of that tunneling stuff that Brett Strom's always talking about. And I'm like, ah, there it is. There's nice. the effective velocity piece. So he's like talking about it uh, right then and there. And if you watch that game, you know, the, the pitches, uh, when he struck out Justin Turner, they were all five fastballs to end that game. And none of them are over 90, but Justin Turner was swinging behind them because he was locating them up, some of them in. And then the last one, he got them away. But you, know, you look at the fastball that he got um, at the end of eighth inning, the one he got Jock Pete. Peterson on Peterson was clearly looking for something else completely locked him up um, on that one. And um, some of the other curveballs that he was throwing in the game were just fantastic. So again, long-term feature. I mean, I like what he's doing. He's, he's obviously doing better than what you think for a guy. I mean, the worst case scenario is he becomes Jeremy Hellickson because it's the same oh, no. kind of, yeah, well, you look at it. It's the same kind of thing, yeah, that's, but Jeremy that's Hellickson fair. stopped throwing his curveball as much. And you make him a two pitch pitcher. So as long as that curveball's working for him, I, and that's the, 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 the delivery and the curveball is the difference. Worst case scenario, he becomes Jeremy Hellickson, but we've seen the worst case scenario with fires in the past where he got bombed. I mean, this is a guy who's been up and down, up and down Absolutely. would dominate, would suck, would dominate, would suck. I mean, his mother died right in the middle of it too, in 2013 or something. Yeah, and so that's part of the issue. And then he got drilled in the forearm by Kuzminoff. That was another problem. Yes. So he's had some ups and downs, but um, I, I, you got to like what you're seeing over the last calendar year. It's been really good. Yeah, I've, I've been very impressed. And I love that stuff about effective velocity because there, there are other ways to win without just being overwhelming, having overwhelming stuff. And, and he doesn't, Mike Fires doesn't, but he, he gets the job done. I've been very impressed. And that was a sneaky addition to that Carlos Gomez trade. Obviously Gomez got the highlights, but getting another veteran starter that they could put in veteran, just meaning he's not 23, like most of their guys. I mean, he's only got a couple years in the league and not even a full season. So a little tough to put that tag on him totally, but uh, I like what Fires has done. Jason, we have to get you going first, but uh, or soon, but first, uh, our weekly Matt Moore update because actually this time it's positive. So I know it's really positive I this week. No, we talk about him every single week, but I, I we always leaving you sour. I'm trying to leave you on a good note. This time I can leave you on a good note if we talk about uh, Matt Moore because he struck out 
16 in just six, six innings of work. This is and left with a no decision because he gave up a home run to Zach Walters, the guy we talked about back in the spring about a sneaky power source before he got hurt. And boom. Zach Walters, he left one pitch up. I mean, he struck out 16 in six innings and talking to one of the riders in Durham, he was still hitting 94 in the sixth inning. These oh are God. all terrific signs. 94 in the sixth inning for him. He was barely hitting 91 at the major league level. 16 strikeouts. I mean, that speaks for itself because nobody was swinging and missing for him at the major leagues. It had, and watching a little bit of the highlights from yesterday, it does look like he's changed something a little bit with his delivery. It looks like he's moved over a little bit to the third base side. So he's working away to, to the righties and okay. in on the lefties a little bit. And that's something he used to do. I don't, I wasn't really paying attention to where he was uh, when he got called up, but it, I noticed when I watched the highlight right away, the way he was setting up looked a little different. I'm like, hey, that's new. Uh, now obviously, hitting 94, that's a really good sign. The 16 strikeouts, I would expect. I mean, he'll be up when rosters are expanded. Uh, Durham yeah. is not making the postseason. So he they could call him up on September 1st. Uh, well, that again, that's a very impressive start. And if he has any of that kind of ability, we're obviously going to pull a 180 on him and, and, and start to recommend him as somebody to look at. I, I wouldn't go on spec. Um, at September and just pick him up before he gets called right. up and pitches. I don't think you have to. He's been so bad at the major league level. And, you know, honestly, probably a lot of your league mates won't even realize that Matt Moore has a 16 strikeout and six inning outing uh, in the minors. But just put a little star next to him. Keep an eye on him. You know we're keeping an eye on him for you. Uh, the only thing I would mention along the same lines, Drew Smiley, uh, I believe we talked about him after his first outing and did not look good. I, I watched his uh, outing on Friday night against Oakland with intent, and he looked much better. Now, okay. Keep in mind, it's Oakland, so sure. I would guess you know you can attack the strike zone and not worry about the impunity of coming with <laughs> what's going to happen uh, versus doing that against Texas. But the fastball command looked good. Um, the changeup, uh, I would say, is still ahead of the curveball. The curveball is a really big pitch for him last year. I would say right now the changeup in that start at least was ahead of the curveball. The curveball is still a pitch that he's not throwing for strikes. Um, so if the batter can pick it up out of the hand, they can let it go because it's not finding the strike zone. But they, they had – I saw – number of uh, uncomfortable swings. He didn't, he only had two strikeouts. Both of them were on fastballs, 92 inside um, one to the high contact, Billy Burns, and the other one to the normally high contact, Brett Lowry, who has got 108 strikeouts this year, but normally he's a better contact hitter than that. But he got, you know, fastballs by both those guys. And that was something he was not able to do his first time against Texas. So I was encouraged by what I saw there versus pretty pessimistic after his first outing, just because the velocity wasn't there. Stuff didn't look good, um, but much better this time out against Oakland. Um, but that said, I'd bench him because he has Kansas City this weekend. I agree with that. That piece, but even in the midst of only getting the two strikeouts, as you mentioned, nine percent swinging strike rate, which is not over the top. Ten percent uh, is kind of where you want to be to really start getting excited. But nine percent um, means he was he was throwing better stuff and getting better results than the strikeouts suggest for Drew Smiley. So I do like that. And then kind of an ancillary note to you watching the Rays game today, you got to see Sean Doolittle come in. Uh, he's not going to close right away, um, as the manager has announced, but there's probably a good reason for that. Now, it's easy to say that ahead of time, but then when you watch him pitch, that kind of confirms it because he got rocked today. Was it as bad as the numbers suggest? Two-thirds of an inning, one hit, two runs, two walks, or was it just some uh, first first time back jitters? Which one Which one was it more it likely? Lack command. It really lack command. It was at 91, uh, 90, 91. I think I saw oh. 192. 
and uh, it just velocity wasn't where you'd expect in the command. Definitely. I mean, when you watch this guy come in last year, it was just boom, boom, boom. Oh, what do you have? Five walks, five walks on the year last year. It was so ridiculous. Or and three. It was, I know it was really low, but I'm, I mean, he, I'm pulling it up uh, for the exact number. Go ahead. It was uh, it was just a bit, the command today wasn't there. Uh, and that's really and people were wondering, like, hey, why wasn't he used last you know, last night? There was a situation where uh, in, in the ninth inning, the Rays ended up coming back to win that game last night. And people were wondering why Doolittle didn't come in. Why was Pat Ben Diddy pitching? Um, he had eight walks. Last eight year, walks. And he had six two. He had two tonight. He's got uh, one in a third. He's got two walks already. Uh, but yeah, the command wasn't there and the velocity wasn't where you would expect it. Uh, yeah. There's a reason why they're easing him back in. Yeah, because today was was not what you, what anybody who's been sitting on Doolittle all season, this is not what you were hoping for. Well, I'm one of those. I have him in several leagues, actually. I liked the value. And actually, you did not. You were off him very early and, and, yes, and I ran away. made it known that, nope, you're not taking your chance there. You would have much rather taken a shot on McGee. And that actually started to pan out for a moment, but then they just kept changing guys so much. Boxberger won the job. But when it came between those two, I remember you distinctly saying, nope, I'm done with Doolittle for, for 26, uh, excuse me, 2015 at least. So, you know, I'm, it's not, it's, it's doom and gloom right now, but it's two thirds of an outing. So we're not freaking out long term. He does have to build back up relievers. It takes time, but it can also snap into place one day. Remember earlier this year, it seems like forever ago, but there was a point in this year when everybody was very panicked about Dylan Batances. And I know he just gave yep. up a homer today, but that, that is the anomaly. He's been, he's been his dominant self absolutely yet again this year. So uh, don't freak out too much about Doolittle yet, but just monitor it and keep him out of your lineup. I definitely think that's the case. Anyway, Jason, it's a little bit of a shorter Sunday episode. Uh, we covered a bunch of guys, but SummerSlam awaits. So get your popcorn. John Stewart's hosting it. Woo! And enjoy that. Uh, maybe it'll be that. Maybe he'll scream a little bit just to give you guys the uh, the Daily Show feel uh, of, of, of uh, the fact that he's still hosting because he, he loved to scream on that show. That was the one takeaway that I had. I didn't watch the show all the time, but I, 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 I know did. I'm still going through withdrawal symptoms. I, I know it was never a bad show. It's just uh, he's he screamed a lot. That, that's what I noticed. But uh, anyway, I'll let you go. Enjoy enjoy your SummerSlam with the kids. We'll be back next week talking all sorts of baseball. Until then, take care. Later, folks.